Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. I've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling, like you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get is a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au, or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review, or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family, and that will help us grow. Tonight, I'm joined by a pioneer of the paranormal world. When you think of the paranormal, there's a good chance you think of this gentleman. He is a host of the incredibly popular The Paranormal Podcast and one of my favorite shows, Jim Harold's Campfire. I am, of course, talking about the one and only Jim Harold. Welcome to the show, Jim. Thank you so much for asking me to be on the program. And I'm always very appreciative of our listeners down under and our Australian listeners where we get great support. So I always love to talk to people in Australia. So salute to you for what you do. And thank you for the invitation. It's very kind. It was incredibly exciting to to even get a response from you because I was kind of telling you before we hit record officially here that we, um, that you're kind of like the, I guess the, the, the head honcho when it comes to paranormal podcasts and, uh, it's kind of like meeting podcast royalty in the sense because you've been oh. doing this for the longest time now. Yeah. I started in 2005 when nobody knew what a podcast was and, uh, it's been a joy. I, I mean, it, it's something as I started with the thoughts of having a fun little hobby and it, it's really uh, grown quite a bit. And for the last, uh, I was just thinking the other day for the last seven years, it's in almost eight years. It's been my, uh, it's been my full-time job. That's amazing. It's amazing that you've turned something that was probably a little bit of a hobby of yours into something that you just get up in the morning and you get to do this every day as your job. It's something I'm very envious of. 
Well, well, you still have plenty of time, plenty of time. And the thing is, is that I had podcast for seven years before I was able to do that. So, cause I started in 05, so geez, 15 years almost. This summer will be 15 years. So, uh, almost half that time has been as kind of a hobby because I had gone to school for broadcasting. And ended up working in radio professionally, but not on air, but working in advertising and the, the business side of media. And I heard about this thing called podcasting and heard people were doing it in their house. And I said, you know what? I, I think I'd like to do that. And, and uh, that's how I, I started podcasting. Yeah, because, I mean, all the way back then, that would have been a really hard thing to explain to people that this is a, a radio show that you download on a, a device in your hand. Even today, it was it's so hard to tell inconvenient. people. Yeah, it was so inconvenient. You had to, uh, you know, I, podcasts when I started had just come out on iTunes. So they've been there a couple months. And I'd say, well, you've got to have an iPod and you got to connect it and you got to listen. Now you can listen straight on your computer. You can go to my website and listen. But the, the, if you want to take it with you, you got to take your iPod and connect it to your computer and do this and do that. <laughs> and it was just like, people were like, a pod, what? Um, but, you know, the smartphones came around and everything changed. Yeah, that just made the whole process a lot easier. And, you know, it's still a little bit tricky to get across to some people today what a what a podcast really is. So I can only imagine the struggle that you really did have all the way back then. Yeah, it was, it was fun trying to explain to people. And especially when I told people in 2012, hey, I'm going to try this full time. I kind of got some, the radio station I worked at, uh, people I knew, uh, I got some funny looks, but, uh, <laughs> but now all the radio people are trying to get into podcasting. And for me, it was great because I've been a frustrated broadcaster. I'd gone to school for broadcasting, but I ended up working on the business side. And then, and I, I think you might want to know this. The reason I chose the paranormal is because I legitimately had a love of the paranormal since I was a little kid. When I was a little kid, very small, there was this TV show in the States and it was called In Search of with Leonard Nimoy. Oh, yes, uh, I know this. Yeah, yeah. And I watched that religiously when I was a kid. I loved that show. And I continued to follow similar type shows that came out in last, in later years and shows like Unsolved Mysteries, which had some paranormal stuff in it. And, and then there's a famous radio show here in the States called Coast to Coast AM. And Art Bell was the host of that. And I listened to that for years. So. It just, when I decided I wanted a podcast, I said, I got to do something I'm really interested in that I really personally care about. And for me, number one was the paranormal. And it just kind of, it all mysteriously fell together. Yeah, because that actually just scratches off one of the questions that I was going to ask you is how you got into it. And I guess being one of the, the first people to dip your toe into the world of this, you could really feature anything that you wanted, anything that you could class as paranormal, you could create the content yourself, essentially. Well, yeah. And the other thing is, is that, see, I think now in 2020, when people say paranormal, unfortunately, I think, at least for me, I think it's unfortunate. People think, ah, he talks about ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about ghosts and UFOs and cryptids and stuff that's just plain old weird you know, there's a lot of stuff that I think falls to me in the paranormal and I think traditionally fell into the paranormal. But now people are like, oh, it's just ghosts. But it's so much more. It's so much more. It really is because it's it's really so diverse and everyone's encounters are always so unique and so different. And that's what I really love about the paranormal is that 
you could have two people who have the same encounter, but they both encounter it in a different way. The way yes. they the way they perceive it is always different, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, my campfire show I've been doing since 2009. There's hundreds of episodes and thousands of stories now uh, by this time. And the thing is, is that, you know, every week when I record that, I'm like, oh, I've heard it all. I'm not going to hear anything new. And then guess what? <laughs> Somebody calls in and they just tell me something remarkable, something I could never imagine. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really amazing. There's such a wide breadth of material. You're never going to run out of stories because almost everybody, even the skeptics, you know, the skeptics will say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Now, let me tell you about this one time. (laughs) I think almost everybody, if they tell the truth, has a story that just doesn't quite make sense. If you look at things from just the kind of traditional mainstream scientific view uh, everyone has one of those stories i think yeah absolutely and if you don't you're interested to hear what someone had and that's the that's the great thing about the paranormal is that you don't have to be a, a, a full-on believer you can be skeptical as hell but yeah if there's one thing that just intrigues you that little bit and it makes you think well what if that actually did happen i mean what a world that opens up yeah exactly and that's the thing is You know, I sometimes I'll explain to people that I don't necessarily, for example, UFOs. uh, I believe there's something going on in our skies. Does that mean that I believe in each and every UFO video I see online? No. You know, there's a lot of fakes. There's a lot of people just, you know, taking pictures of drones and thinking that it's, uh, you know, little green men. But I do think there's something to it. When I see USA, US Navy footage of some kind of thing flying around and the Navy admits that they don't know what it is, that gets my attention. So, uh, yeah, there are some fakes out there. There's some things there may be hoaxes or just honest misunderstandings and misinterpretations. But that doesn't mean that there aren't some real legitimate stories out there. And that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I have friends of mine who ask me, go, Okay, surely you can't believe everyone that comes on the show who who says they've seen A, B, or C. And my response to them is always, well, it's not my my position to say what they've encountered is is real or not. They're the one who had the encounter, not me. That's right. And- That's almost exactly my thought on it. Yeah. And and I will say there's been a time or two, and and sometimes there have been a couple I haven't aired where I thought somebody was just pulling my leg or whatever. But for the most part, I believe that the people who call in and say, I saw something, I experienced something, this happened to me, they're being honest with their interpretation of what they saw. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the best mindset to have when you talk to anyone who's had an encounter, because I find it 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 really is almost insulting to the person who's had the encounter to say, well, I don't believe that happened to you because it didn't happen to me. Right, right. Well, the thing that you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with being skeptical. I think that there's there's a good to be had by being skeptical to a point. But what I don't like is when, let's say I'll use UFOs because they're easy to do. And, and uh, somebody will have a UFO case that really seems to have some legs to it. And then, you know, on television, we'll see this. They'll bring on the debunker and the debunker will say, well, usually, you know, this and usually that, but they won't speak to that specific case. They'll just, throw these blanket objections. So uh, I I think that if everyone keeps an open mind, not so open your brains fall out, but an open mind, I think that's a great place to come from. 
It really is. It really is. And that kind of leads me to a question for you there, Jim, is have you actually had any encounters of your own? I've not had full-blown ghosts uh, or anything like that. I have had eerie synchronicities. Uh, that's, and I do believe different people experience the supernatural in different ways. I guess for me, I think I'm a synchronicity person. And, uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, happened to me a couple of years ago. And I've told this on the show. Maybe you've heard it. I was on a paranormal cruise and I was there with Micah Hanks, who is a UFO expert, and with the late, great Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who passed away last year, who wrote many, many books and did a lot of paranormal research. And uh, this was a day at sea where we were giving talks in the conference room of the cruise ship in their business area. So anyway, I had a little bit of a cold. So in between sessions, I was going to go out and get some coffee, walk over to the cafe in the kind of the central area there and, and grab a coffee. You had to walk through the casino to get there. And one of our attendees, one of the people who had paid to come and be a part of the group, was playing a crane machine that got cash. I had a little claw that came down and picked up money. And uh anyway, uh I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I wish my uncle were here. Uh, he would love this. This would be such a cool thing. Now, my uncle had passed a few years earlier. This uncle was like a second dad to me. I mean, he I was just as close to him as I was my dad. So I said, ah, boy, he would love to be here. Because what he used to do in the States here, I don't know if you have it in Australia, but they'll have these machines where they have these silly little toy dolls and things. And you could play this game and take the claw down and pick these up. I thought, he would love this because it's not for these little dolls. It's for like money. Uh, he wouldn't win, but he'd love the sport of it. So anyway, I was thinking very intentionally on him. A woman walks up next to this guy. And she cups her hand to her mouth and she says, John, John, guess what my uncle's name was? Oh, you're kidding. John. <laughs> okay. I just got chills. I mean, the thing is, is that now, is that a paranormal story? Is that your typical ghost story? Um, not really, but boy, it really makes you think. It really makes you think if there's somebody somewhere pulling some strings to make some things line up to give you a, a synchronicity, which I guess is defined as a meaningful coincidence. It was just uh, amazing to me. And uh, that's one I'll never forget. And it's it's quite common for people to have encouragements like that, because, I mean, a lot of people find a lot of meaning in a lot of different things. And I don't think all of that is just random. Right. I mean, it's one thing to say, well, I picked up a dime and my father used to collect dimes or whatever, but this was... Like, what were the, now this woman, I'm sure was calling for her husband or whatever, but what was the odds? I walk out at that moment when the guy's playing the machine, that thought registers with me. This woman who happens to have a husband named John is looking for, I mean, there has to be like, that's, you got better lo uh, odds of hitting the lottery, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> when you, when you break it down to the, I guess the stats like that, all of those things just occurring just for yourself is, it's impossible almost. Right. Right. It, it just, you know, she could have said, Steve, Steve. I mean, it could have been anybody else, but it was John. Not an uncommon name, but still. Yeah, most definitely. So 
for for the listeners of my podcast, they might not realize that your your campfire podcast is essentially the same type of format that I, I do my show on. It's actually I based a lot of my show off that show because it's done so fantastically well. Thank you. And essentially people call in, um, they tell you their stories and, and you kind of just prod them with a couple of questions and you kind of let them go on their way to to share their encounters. Yes. What is the wildest story that you've heard on that podcast? This is a story that I will never forget. And I don't know. I'm sure that in Australia, folks see that, uh, see this indication of a show called The Twilight Zone. Yes. Uh, and this, this story is worthy of The Twilight Zone. So anyway, uh, this is, and you've probably heard it because I've spoken about many times on the show. This is the Roadhouse Saloon, if that rings a bell. Yes, it does. And, uh, our caller TI was, uh, up in, I believe, Wisconsin, which is uh, the upper Midwest of the United States. And her and her friend, his name was Bob, went to see a band at this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, bar. And, uh, they stayed until two past two a.m. in the morning, which is typically in the estate's closing time for an establishment that sells liquor. So anyway, uh, they're going back home. They have about hour drive, uh, before they get to their destination, uh, get back home. So anyway, they're going along their way and my caller TI tells Bob, you know, I've got to answer the call of nature. And he kind of joked and said, well, there's always the bushes. <laughs> and, uh, she says, no, 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 just drive fast. So anyway, they go a little way down the road and they see this bar with neon lights. It says the roadhouse and there's all these cars and the joint is jumping. That's very unusual because again, typically in the States here, everything's closed at 2 a.m., but this place was open. So anyway, they said, Hey, let's go in here. So they pull in and, uh, and, and Bob mentions to her, you know, I'm really glad we're coming here because I heard about a great mural they have. And he was an artist as well. There's a great mural they have on the wall. Uh, has an old West theme. I can't wait to see that. So this is cool. So anyway, um, she goes in, goes to the restroom. He goes in and gets a couple beers. And the weird thing is the people are kind of strange. They're just kind of smiling and not really talking. And they're looking at the, the, the mural and they're noticing something else. And there's a lot more detail to the story if you actually hear the original, but. They're looking at the mural and they're noticing on this wall, it's an old West scene like you'd see in an old Western movie, that all the people in the actual bar, the humans in front of them, match up to the people in the mural. And they're talking and they're saying, well, that's weird. And and Bob says, well, you know, this artist probably came in. These are probably regulars. So we use them as models. So there's a couple women sitting at the end of the bar in front of them. And there's a couple up on the wall, the same women sitting in the bar. And there's this bar, you know, bartender and, uh, he's there and, uh, and it goes on and on four or five different people. And, uh, anyway, another weird thing happens. They have this classic old Wurlitzer jukebox, the old bubbler with the glass and all that. And it's playing records and somebody puts on, uh, Chubby Checkers Let's Twist Again. Uh, <laughs> a great old hit from the early sixties. So anyway, um, 
this guy walks up to T.I. and wants to dance. And she said he was kind of nasty looking. He had rotten teeth and not really somebody, you know, she'd want to dance with. And she happened to have a cane and she showed him his cane. And she said she was actually glad she had it because she could beg off nicely. So that's another little thing to remember in the story. So anyway, they're drinking and they're talking and they're talking and they're drinking. There's a set of beer too. They didn't have a lot. So anyway, they start to look at this mural again and there's these swinging doors like you'll see in one of the Western movies where the, you know, the, the gunslinger walks in and says, I don't want to see Bart, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they see two, what looks like two columns of mist in the picture. And they look at each other. We don't remember that from before. And they look at it a little more. Looks a little more defined. Now it looks like human shapes. I don't know if you remember the old Polaroid pictures that people used to take. They're actually popular again. The instant pictures where you take a picture and it would develop and you would shake it. And, and it's kind of like slowly these figures are developing in. And T.I. notices something very strange. He notices that the there's a shorter figure and there's a taller figure. One appears to be a woman. One appears to be a man. And then she looks a little more and she sees there's quite a bit of difference in their height. Well, there's quite a bit of difference in the height between T.I. and Bob. Oh, no. And then she looks a little more and she sees the woman has curly hair, Western boots. T.I. has curly hair and Western boots. <laughs> oh, and the woman also has a cane which T.I. has. So they look at each other and say, okay, we're out of here. They get up to leave. The people are like, motion, come back, come back, come back. So anyway, they closed the door. T.I. said everything went totally dark. You look back at the place, no neon lights, no sign it had ever been opened up. And they look back in the parking lot and there is a car in the parking lot, their car, no other cars. Now that would be weird enough if that was the end of the story. T.I. is much more brave than I am. So she came back. She came back a couple of days later with a friend. Granted, she didn't wait until three o'clock in the morning. She went like at seven or eight or something. And she walks in. She notices there's a jukebox. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. But it's a modern jukebox and it only has CDs. And there's no chubby checker. Oh, wow. And then, and then she talks to the bartender as a woman said, Oh, who was that bartender that was in here? That good looking guy. You know, I was in here a couple nights ago and she said, I'm sorry, ma'am. The only two bartenders that work here are me and my elderly father. You're kidding. And then she said, you know what? I think I'll leave now. <laughs> and that's the story of the roadhouse saloon. And guess what? Okay, this this really tops it. Listeners have gone. The Roadhouse is a real place. And they have taken pictures and there is a mural. Is there really? There is. Wow, that's incredible. There's an old West there is an old West mural. Geez, that, that really makes you want to ask a lot of questions. It's kind of like, what did they step into a time slip? Did they step into a portal? An alternate reality? Yeah. And, uh, another uh, another uh, track in the multiverse. I don't know. I mean, it, it's one of the best 
It's one of the best stories ever. And I've had um, occasion to speak to T.I. multiple times. And uh, she's never changed her story. It's always very sincere. That's incredible. And it really makes you wonder what was going on because they had the, the gentleman who's, whose teeth was all rotting. And is that, a, is that a precursor? Was that an actual dead body? Is that something coming yeah, to Yeah, you life? know, I never thought about it that way. But, it, it, you know, the thing is, is that it's like, again, um, T.I., as I understand it, I believe she's an educator. I mean, this is not, you know, this is a very respectable person. Um, and again, I've, I've, I've gotten to talk to her at length on multiple occasions, some that have not been on air. And she just strikes me as incredibly sincere, as do most of my callers. I'll tell you another quick story that's a little more modern, if you have a minute. Yeah, of course. Um, this one goes over out to California near Los Angeles. And this is probably last year, I think, maybe early last year this story came. This one really stuck with me. Not quite as wild, but still pretty wild. So this gentleman, he goes to an estate sale where they're selling, you know, so where somebody has passed, they're selling their furniture and things. And he sees these different things he would like, but they're marked up too high. And he says, you know, I love the stuff here, but I just can't afford it. So anyway, he does leave his information with this woman in case she, you know, changes her mind on some of the prices or whatever. So a couple of days go by and it's like the last day of the estate sale. And the woman calls him and says, you know, I really like you. I like your attitude. There's some people here. They're not being very respectful. Why don't you come down and we'll see what we can put together for you. So he buys some items and I think she almost throws in, she says, I want you to take this mirror. And, um, he had no intention of buying the mirror. It's an antique mirror. And she said, no, I really feel this needs to be with you. So I think she almost threw it in. So he brings it back home. And then all of a sudden he'll notice it's up in his upstairs bedroom and he'll be hearing like people walking upstairs for no reason. This goes on for a while. One night he is, one morning he's sleeping in the room where the mirror is. And he wakes up and he looks and there are people in kind of old time clothing standing in the room. And there's this one figure in front of him and he kind of rubs his eyes. He thinks he's dreaming. He's like, well, what are you doing here? And this, this one guy walks up to him and he says, we came with the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, he says, we like to dance. We didn't get to finish our last dance. And that's where you come in. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> and that it's a, it's a longer creepy. story where they have paranormal researchers come in and they find some things and some EVP and things. But that was kind of the highlight of the story. But uh, I do wonder, that's something I've always been uh, curious about is physical attachment to objects. Because I don't know if you, Katie, if you've ever had this experience, but I have, for example, a pocket knife that was given to me uh, by my grandfather who died, gosh, I'm dating myself here, uh, 40 years ago. But uh, I was very small when he gave it to me, but I was really, but still. Um, and the thing is, is that when I touch that knife, it's almost like I feel his spirit. Now that might be totally psychological, but I do wonder when things have attachments or, or, or an essence of a person. I, I really wonder about that. And I think there really might be something to that. I think so too, because 
I've had a, a fair few paranormal investigators on the show. And one thing that is really brought up a lot is the, the case that things can hold on to energy because I mean, that's, that's just a scientific fact in itself that everything kind of has energy. Otherwise it wouldn't exist. And right. the, the fact that a, an energy can attach itself to, you know, something like a pocket knife, I don't think is anything out of, out of the realms of possibility. And if it starts to, to bring back those memories like that, I think that's, that's a really fantastic thing. Yeah, I do too. I think it's very cool. So, um, I, I, I just, um, you know, I think it's an incredibly mysterious world we live in. And I think, um, I think of Plato's allegory of the cave where we're like, uh, these prisoners who are, I'm not saying we're on a prison planet or anything, but I'm, I'm saying we're kind of like chained to a wall and we're seeing reflections on a wall of a fire and we're trying to interpret what's outside the cave. I think we have a very narrow window on what's really going on with everything. So the, the explanation for all this stuff, it could be so different than what we think it is that, uh, I, I mean, some of this stuff is just mind bending. If you look at things like retro causality, the idea, what is this? I, 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 it's, I can't even, there's a scientific theory or there's an idea that maybe when you think about something, you can impact what happened in the past. I mean, that's, oh, right. that's really a mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's look that up retro causality, but there, there's so many possibilities. I think we're just kind of stumbling around. And I think sometimes, and I love technology. I mean, goodness, we're talking here. When people hear this, it's going to sound like we're in the same room, probably. It's amazing technology. And I admire science and everything great scientists have done and medical people. And everything. Don't get me wrong, but I think we just scratch the surface of what reality is all about. Just scratch the surface. I think you're right. I think you're right a hundred percent because my, my mind had really been expanded this year since starting this podcast, because I wouldn't say I was narrow minded before, but I'm definitely skeptical about a lot of things. And the fact that I've had people come on the show and talk about things like astral travel, where they've, they've gone to other realms of existence that are effectively just laid over the top of ours really makes me question, I guess, how all these different types of paranormal events or, or spiritual happenings affect our world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, where does the spirituality end and where does the science begin? Um, it's just, and the funny thing is, and you kind of said it, I mean, you're a little newer on your journey with podcasting, but I remember when I started in 2005, I started in the summer of 2005 and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to do this show for six months. I'm going to interview all these wise people about these things. I'm going to have this stuff figured out in a year. (laughs) (laughs) I have more questions today that have answers. And I think, um, there's a saying, I'll get it wrong, but something like the intelligent person is the one who understands how little they truly know. And I think that a big dose of humility in doing these shows is like, I don't understand anything. And I don't, you know, I think that people are very good within their specialties. God bless scientists. I, I think the world of them, I think it's great. And they're very intelligent what they do, but kind of this extrapolation of, oh, well, none of that can exist because I'm very good at this one thing. You know, I, I think that's a little wrongheaded. It's almost, it's kind of the flip side of people who are super, and I'm not against religion at all, but people who are super duper religious and think they know all the answers about everything. I think you can get the same thing with scientific people. They think because they know 
some answers in a very specific field and, and they're very good in it that, oh, well, you know, everything has to fall according to Hoyle. Absolutely. And that's just, that's everyone's personal point of view, really, isn't it? When it comes down to, to something like that, because it's, it's, it's all about having a, a faith in, I guess, someone else's story. And if you don't have faith in what they've, they're saying or, or you don't believe them, there's, there's no convincing right. you at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, what's the saying? You know, it, it, it couldn't have happened because it's not possible. What's well, like, who are you to say it's not possible? Exactly. Exactly. Has there been, because you're the paranormal podcast, that's quite different to the, the campfire show that you do. It's also similar in a lot of ways. Um, but you do get a lot of professionals on the, um, on the paranormal podcast. Has anyone that's been on there changed the way that you think about, say, uh, for example, ghosts or Sasquatch or, or something like that? I think just in general, kind of what you said. They've expanded my mind. I mean, I had a pretty, in 2005, I had a pretty good idea of what I thought was going on in, in each category, right? And now it's like, well, my goodness, it could be this instead of that. So I think it's all of them put together. Probably the two biggest influences on me um, that I've spoken with over the years, unfortunately, both of them passed. Brad Steiger who wrote books starting in the fifties up through, you know, the 2010s and was one of the most uh, accomplished paranormal authors ever. And if you're interested in this, you know, read his books and you'll get an education. Same with, I mentioned her before the late Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who wrote on everything from ghosts to UFOs to angels. And I think both those people really expanded my thinking on the uh, on the possibility. So those are probably the two biggest influences. I would say Rosemary alone had been on my show 20 times. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, she was amazing. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, just incredible, uh, incredible people. And even people that I've only interviewed once, you know, there'd be one thing that would stick with me from that interview. And, and is maybe stuck with me for years. Another great, um, a great legend who has passed, who I actually got to meet just days before he passed was Stanton Friedman, the UFO, uh, researcher who basically put Roswell on the map. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was a great guy. I got to meet him. I was at a live event, uh, you know, being part of a live event in Columbus, Ohio. And then I guess on the, Way back home, he uh, he passed. He was from Canada, and just a, a really sad passing this last year as well. So, uh, just some great researchers who have really kind of not like challenged me directly, but through their work and things have challenged my way of thinking and and broadened it. That's really great. That's really great. So, in in that sense, I might ask you a couple of questions about. Let's let's move on to on to cryptids sure. if you've got a couple of a moment sure. to talk about those, sure. because. There's a there's a couple of cryptids that are very very much based within the within the states and they get a lot of attention online and we don't get this type of activity down here in Australia and that's the Mothman because that all started with this creature being seen upon a bridge that fell down isn't that correct Yeah that was I believe I believe it was the Silver Bridge uh, it was Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and people That's reported it. seeing, yeah, uh, reported seeing Mothman as kind of a harbinger of doom 
And then this uh, bridge collapsed in the late 1960s. I think it might have been 67. I wouldn't swear to that. Uh, and a number of people perished, and it was right around Christmas time. A very, very tragic uh, scene indeed. And uh, John Keel, of course, the great researcher, wrote The Mothman Prophecies, and it was much later made into a very popular book. I mean, movie with... Uh, uh, Richard Gere, although they changed it and modernized it and so forth. It was actually a very good movie. And the thing about Mothman is that, and I don't know if you know this, you probably do. There's been a lot of, and, and I've had different people on my shows who have different opinions, some very much that this is legitimate, some people who question it somewhat, but uh, there's been a lot of Mothman uh, sightings in Chicago, in the Chicago area yeah. over the last year or two. Uh, we've had, uh, Lon Strickler, uh, on the show who has been kind of the cataloger of that. And then we had somebody else on the show who said, no, I'm not so sure about these, but, um, it is interesting. And I'll tell you two reasons I find it particularly interesting. One is, is I have interviewed a couple of times now, a gentleman by the name of Mike Cleland, and he has done research on, uh, owls, like the birds that fly. And coincidence with UFO sightings. Oh, this and is a very will, common thing. Yeah. And they will see owls and then they will see a UFO. And Mike talks about the possibility of something like a screen memory that this is maybe thrown up as a memory yep, rather yep. than what they really saw. Um, so that, that appeals to me there. And here is a personal story. Now, Point Pleasant was in the state of West Virginia. It's a small population state. Uh, I'm in Ohio, which is an American uh, uh, Midwest. It's where I grew up. My parents were originally from West Virginia. And there's a family story that involves something like a mothman. Uh, I'll tell it to you, but it's not quite a mothman, or at least it wasn't interpreted that way. Uh, so my family was from West Virginia, a rural area. Uh, they lived up in Ohio when, you know, before I was born. They both came to Ohio to get work. They met up here, and then they would go down every summer to visit my grandparents on both sides, and they lived a little ways from each other. So we'd visit one set of grandparents and then the other. So anyway, they were visiting with my, I was a baby. And this was 1969 or 1970. <laughs> we'll, we'll beat that probably. out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, babe. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but anyway, probably about 70, 71, which is not too far from this. T we're just talking a few short years. So anyway, they left me with grandma and grandpa, and they went out to what sounds like to me a lover's lane. I don't want to know why. <laughs> I don't want to know any of it. And my dad is still with us. He's 84. My mom, unfortunately, passed. Both of them told exactly the same story since I've been, you know, uh, self-aware. Yep, yep. <laughs> I've heard this story since the 1970s. So anyway, they drove out to this place. They were parked. Um, my dad said that they were parked and it, the sky lit up. And he said it lit up so brightly that he could read his entire speedometer and clock, you know, analog clock oh, wow. on the car. Yeah, and it was pitch black. I mean, you know what rural areas are like that don't have streetlights and things. They are Absolutely. pitch black, dark. That is it. There is no light. That's what this place was. And it lasted, I'm guessing, for 20 or 30 seconds. I don't know. 
then he said he turned to his left and way now my folks were not into UFOs or the paranormal or supernatural. So they describe things in terms they understand. My dad said he turned to his left, looked out the window and saw a man with a welding mask and he held up his hand. Oh, wow. And then, and then, and I have this recorded. My, my dad told this story and I have a recording of it that I played on the show early on. Then this is, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, American cars, but this is the late 1960s era cars, the big, huge boats. The huge ones, yeah. Yeah, 1968 Buick LeSabre. So anyway, he said he, he uh, peeled out of there and started going really fast. And then my mom said in her West Virginia accent, which she never lost, she said, I looked up on the side of the hill and I saw some of the biggest birds I ever saw in my life that they had their wings out. So you've got a UFO sighting. You've got a sighting of what might be, might be an alien, the man yeah. in the welding mask, and what might be Mothman. What a trifecta. And, <laughs> and then... They said, well, the next day we expected to see something on television or a newspaper. Never heard anything about it. Oh, that's incredible. That, that big flash. And again, this, I probably heard this story first in, you know, probably five, six years old. So 1975. They know podcasts in 1975. No. And there's not a lot of pop culture <laughs> out at that time either to really influence right, that Exactly. Type of and they had no thought. reason. And, and my family had basically two paranormal stories, and that was one of them. And the thing was, I had no reason to doubt because the story from like 1975 or whenever I first heard it up until my mom's passing in 2012, and my dad today will tell exactly the same story, you know, 50 years, almost 50 years on, it's never changed. Yeah, that, that, that tells a lot of truth just behind that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. The fact that that story doesn't doesn't change doesn't waver the the slightest bit really shows that that memory has been burnt into the memories yeah so did they have screen memories was it a mothman they saw or was it like mike's owls you know i don't know i mean because they weren't using the terminology maybe that we would use i mean i'm quite sure that neither one of them had heard of mothman um you know hey. i don't know that's that's really that really is now it was quite a different incredible. part of the state. I will say it's the other end of the state, so it's not like they were right at the Point Pleasant area, but it's the same state. It's the same region. Yeah, wow. It's it's quite quite a, an unusual encounter. The fact that they they and I guess we compare it to a modern day type of event where we can kind of point out what these different things may be now because we have so many other people who talk about these types of things. But right. Like I said earlier, there's nothing to to influence those types of memories. Like there's there's exactly. nothing in pop culture that they would have seen back then. And to I'll tell you, my that. my dad would watch when I was a kid. He would watch something like In Search with of and that kind of stuff. My mom, no interest whatsoever. Really, none. UFOs, none. No interest. Mothman, Schmothman. <laughs> so it wasn't like you got. It wasn't like you had two people who were really super into this or anything. Yeah, wow. So that's that's incredible. And that's part of your family history. That's amazing. Well, the other thing is there was another great ghost story in the family. And the thing is, I wonder, I almost wonder if those stories at a very young age with a thing like In Search Of kind of 
engendered my, and it's so funny too. I've also noticed, uh, I stay in touch in Facebook with a lot of my mates from elementary school and, uh, we don't have a ton in common, but they also all love spooky stuff. Yeah. And I just wonder if it's something about the area. I grew up in a very industrial <laughs> area and kind of, it was kind of dark and it wasn't the, you know, it was a very kind of gritty kind of place I grew up in. And I almost wonder if that informed our interest in these kind of things. It's, it's interesting to, to wonder how you became the person you are with the interests you have. It really is quite interesting. I, I'll blame my dad. He apparently he saw the uh, the Flying Dutchman when he was oh um, wow he he was a fisherman back in the day, and uh, apparently he saw the Flying Dutchman once. And uh, ever since he told me what that was and explained this is you know impending doom type of thing when you're you're out at sea, I was just absolutely hooked on the paranormal. Sure. And then I was at the age where the X Files was really really big, and I was hook line and sinker. Yeah, yeah. There's so many of us who have those similar touchstones, the TV shows, the family stories, and those kinds of things. Definitely, definitely. Well, Jim, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Have some absolutely fantastic family history there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. It's kind of a neat thing. And I, I want to thank you. It's It's been a great privilege uh, to be on the show. I, I love speaking to new people and new audiences. And if you if they've not heard the shows, I hope they check them out. They can find them on any other favorite podcast app, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It goes on and on. Uh, they're on all of them. Jim Harold's Campfire, H-A-R-O-L-D. Uh, Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast and should be able to find me either way there. And uh, Cade, once again, continued success with your venture. And I really appreciate your reaching out. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com forward slash Believe UFO Radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio.